Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over 200 different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. Today's episode is so good, as I think many of my podcast episodes are, if I can say so myself. Um, But today we talk about plant medicine, we talk about spirituality, we talk about ancestral healing. We talk about so many different modalities of our well-being and how we get to take responsibility for our well-being. My guest today is Heather Adams, who is a breath meditation teacher and writer based in the Pacific Northwest. She currently works on reconnecting people with ancestral ways to heal the body, mind, and soul. And Heather and I connected years ago in the meditation community here in Seattle. Um, She even was an amazing sub for me when I was teaching meditation at Zoom Fitness in downtown Seattle. And so we've kind of crossed paths in many ways in our lives. And she also shares so many wonderful things on Instagram in just a delightful, authentic way that I reached out to her because I wanted to reconnect and share her light and her wisdom with all of you beautiful listeners. So you will just, I find myself just like smiling listening to Heather's voice and all that she shares. And so I know you will enjoy this episode. So let's settle in and let's get centered. Heather, welcome to the Center in the City podcast. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to see you again. I know my cheeks are smiling and like muscle jaw hurting because I'm so excited to reconnect. I was actually trying to think like it's been a long time since we since our paths, our meditation teaching crossed in Seattle. Like right, and I was trying to think too. I know it's like 2016, 17. But I can't, I think it was one of those things we like floated together in the space when things were kind of taking off in the meditation space in the city and kind of overall, but yeah. I know, I was like, I think we got ourselves together. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, I love, um, I love it. I love having you on the podcast today. And I'd love to begin by hearing and sharing with listeners, like what is a practice you have or do on a daily or daily-ish basis that supports you coming back to center, whatever that means. Mm. I would have said, if you would ask me every few years, 
for a couple months, I'd say meditation, like the traditional sitting, breathing, 20 minutes meditation. But that definition of meditation has certainly changed over the years. And with the pandemic, it doesn't have to be just sitting, listening to my breath come in and out, although that's super potent. It's as little as mindfully making my bed at this point, um, infusing, like really being there when I'm doing a workout, washing dishes, like I just declare a moment of the day to just stay present with something five minutes or so. And that is huge. Just saying yes to something that big once a day keeps me on track. <laughs> I appreciate you talking about like mindfulness in action, you know, bringing it into these daily practices that doesn't have to be necessarily sitting on the cushion, but bringing that awareness to making your bed, which can be really hard for some people. Yes. For me, I like have to make yes. my bed. Otherwise it feels yeah, so like the day off for the rest of the day. <laughs> and I can uh, even do that. I'm like, is it the weekend? I feel like like a um, cool, messy high school kid because I was always a high school dork. So when I don't make my bed, I'm like, ooh, you're cool. Like <laughs> your messy bed. But <laughs> there's times where I don't even intend, you know, it's that intention. It's about being present for the thing. That's the struggle. Like I can make my bed every day, like a robot, but like plugging into it, feeling the sheets, letting my mind go, not making that to-do list for the day while I'm washing dishes or something like that's the practice. And I don't stay focused on the activity the entire time, but you know, it's about that, like coming back to the present, keep returning, keep saying yes to being in the present just for a little bit. It kind of just sets my train on the tracks a little more solidly I feel like and when I don't do it I notice it <laughs> right yeah what do you notice like how does it affect you in your day I love flow I'm a big flow whore and <laughs> so a flow for me is like things just are easy and working out kind of going from the one thing to the next seamlessly not a lot of stop start and when I don't practice, you know, staying in that flow of being in the present moment. It feels like things just aren't quite connecting and working out. Or a big thing is my conversations. They don't flow the way I want them to. I find friction, tension, not being able to say the right thing, not being able to connect, that happens too. And I'm like, mm, okay, like what I'm trying to transmit is not coming through, right? You know? Those are the kind of signposts where I'm like, okay, let me tighten things up. <laughs> mm, God, what it would feel like to be in flow all day. That Wish sounds that juicy. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't, I definitely don't feel that way, but I, I, that's like something I continually work on. I remember leaving a body wisdom retreat. This was years ago and a silent meditation retreat and being like, wow, what if I just made every decision from my body. And mm. like, I remember leaving the retreat feeling so like connected to what my body was telling me and teaching me. It was mm. like, yeah, I'm going to lead from this place. And I kid you not within the first few hours of getting home <laughs> that went out the door, but I remember that feeling. And so it's at least a touchstone that I feel like I can come back to that helps me kind yeah. of step into that flow. But it's, yeah, it takes a, a lot of intentionality to come back to that place. It's true. And the intentionality, the work of practicing that is what gets us there. You know what I mean? Like you can't, 
skip the work. The work is the whole thing. The work, the saying yes to bringing yourself back to the present is the whole shebang. I just hate that you can't get around that. I have tried. Everyone say yourself time. I've tried. I've tried all the ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I heard a meditation teacher talk about, um, this was on Instagram the other day, about how like the wellness world has become so much about like shopping and newness and we constantly need that new thing, that new practice, that new whatever. And I noticed that within myself, within my clients. And it's interesting because I think we're all, we're all searching for something to help us feel good, for help yeah. us like be able to hold the capacity of this world, you know? Yes. And at the same time, I think it's that, that sense of um, like, okay, but can I just press a button because that's how I do everything in life now is press a button no. and like yes. get delivery to the door or get instant gratification yes. or order it in one click, right? So I feel like we have this kind of default in, in the work that, you know, oh, I'm, I, I meditated once and like, oh, my mind shut off. Yeah, exactly. Right. Where's my peace? Yes. You're so right about that. It's like this last thing in the world that still um, requires a slower, un, like revealing and the work compounds very slowly over time. And you don't really notice when you click into flow until, I mean, it takes some time. Truly. And it's not just one meditation and it's not just once a month. It's this constant daily practice and it does get boring. And there, it, you know, there's a few, there's a billion ways to find the present moment. Um, but it still takes the work. <laughs> like none of them are worthless. Um, that's, 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 that's good to remember that. Yeah, we are kind of a fast food society and this is not a fast food process. Yeah. Ooh, I love that uh, analogy. So we're talking about one of the reasons, you know, we wanted to have you on the podcast is talk about plant medicine. Sure. And I'm curious if you can talk to us about what plant medicine even is, because like I notice, I have this misconception. I've never tried plant medicine. Yeah. But I have this belief of like, oh, it's kind of like a fast food um experience to like not bypass i don't want to say that at all but it's like a it's like a get me in there fast and hard is like Do kind it for of, me. yeah, yeah <laughs> like get me to that place of of healing or awareness that it might take if i sat and meditated and really like stuck with my feelings and thoughts and and questioning that i would get there so anyway please enlighten us yes so plant medicine is the, the huge umbrella, right? And that's anything from like, if you take ginkgo, if you use eucalyptus to open your sinuses, if you've ever put a potato poultice on an infection or something like that, like the overall plant medicine, we've all done it. Like our, our moms, our grandmothers have remedies. We hear ones from friends. Eating well is the best plant medicine, right? The step up where now there's all this buzzy energy around is spirit plant medicine. Spirit plant medicine uses entheogens, and that is a fancy word for substances that change your um, consciousness, that change your perception, all right? Like things where it starts to be like, ooh, is that 
flower crying type thing. You know? <laughs> so this, it, I'm so glad you brought up this idea that many, myself included, have that it is a get by free pass to consciousness, um, that it is an instant, I'm going to have all my questions answered. I absolutely have gone into plant medicine ceremonies with a full list of like, all right, ayahuasca, here's what I need to know. Like, who's my husband? What am I supposed to do with my life? What's my purpose? You know, <laughs> should I stay friends with this? Friend? Yeah, absolutely. It seems like the things we hear are that it is people go from being sometimes at rock bottom. And I've seen a lot of people at rock bottom to totally healed. And I wish it was that, but there is absolutely no shortcut. Um, the plant medicine, uh, so just a little background, I engaged with plant medicine first, just with a group of girlfriends camping, uh, mushrooms. And even then we, had, there were no websites about doing mushrooms in a ceremony since we all went to a Christian private university and we're all raised in very strict Christian homes. Something about taking mushrooms for the first time, we made a little ceremony. We put intention into it. And I can only explain that as being innate because again, we did not read a book about this. So just thinking back about that, I think it's innate within everybody to use intention to want to expand their way of engaging with the planet. So that intention was there. And then we took on, we went on a hike and we had this explosive experience that really boiled down to a few things. Absolute love for the planet, a connection with the planet beyond anything I'd ever experienced where you commune with trees, you breathe with grass. And it all sounds, I mean, we were laughing our asses off and crying tears of laughing, but that stuck with me. Um, seeing people as their whole self, unconditional love, not just hearing that and knowing, okay, loving somebody for the good and the bad, feeling it, that stuck with me. Um, this idea that like, we are enough. You do not have to sit at the top of a corporation, have a huge bank account, have a bunch of kids get married. Nothing is gonna make you enough because you already are enough, stuck with me. Um, and then this, this medicine of joy, the medicine of, release the medicine of silliness you know um, I'm from a very strict home silliness was not a thing humor was not a thing and to just be able to laugh um, and joke at everything I sensed was this very high level of consciousness that I'd reached so it was simple lessons simple lessons but I'd never experienced them in that way it cut to 10 years later I'm in Ecuador at an ayahuasca retreat <laughs> and the ante was up just a little bit um but what was still there at this ayahuasca retreat was the intention. So we at this retreat were sitting in ceremony with uh, indigenous uh, um, ayahuasca, the or folks that have for generations been working with these plant medicines. Um, and that intention was there in a, in a whole new level. I think that's the magic behind any healing, whether you are sitting down to meditation or you are in a San Pedro ceremony in the middle of Peru, if you sit down with intention, when I say intention, I mean to have a, have a reason, a purpose, and a statement for why, are you, why you are in that moment and why you are going on that journey. I think a lot of us sit down with the intention of like, just fix me, you know? 
but really digging deep of why you're there on that cushion and what you want that return to, or what you intend for that return to feel like in your body, feel being the magical word, how you want to feel at the end of that journey is a big thing that I learned at the retreats with this more structured environment and somebody's indigenous practices around plant medicine is that intention of sitting down, how do I want to feel? And that these entheogens, these spirit plant medicines are their own spirits, you know, with their own kind of personalities and wisdom to share. Um, and it, I think you get so much knowledge and experiential wisdom from these practices but I haven't gone back to the ayahuasca seat since, you know what I mean? It's not like, I think a lot of people think, oh, more is better. Like, let me get in there and do more. But I've now experienced, it has really informed my, my meditations and breath work and Vipassana retreats. And I'm seeing they're all on the same level. And the big thing is intention. I don't think everyone needs to experience a plant medicine experience to have the experience I had. Mm. Wow, you just dropped so much wisdom. And I want to kind of circle back to, I really appreciate you differentiating that there's like plant medicine all around us. Eating a plant-based diet is plant medicine. Um, When I used to live in Argentina, I remember I had a UTI and the pharmacist told me to cut red onions very thinly and steep them in hot water and then drink the hot water because it was a a antibacterial just uh natural flush and i and i did that and i was cleared come on now you know i don't like right so i appreciate you calling like the witchcrafty food things like what did you say putting potatoes on yeah potato pulses works every time okay (laughs) see like all these things plant medicine that's very present, which we so easily in our modern day world get pulled away from, right? We take Advil when we have a headache. We, t- we um, like go straight to antibiotics if we, you yeah. know, and obviously thank God for modern me- medicine. Sure. And right. yeah. <laughs> and like, there's so much wisdom that we get separated from from the natural world. So, okay. Thank you for calling out that there's like that type of plant medicine. And then you called it spirit plant medicine, which is like the ayahuasca, the. Um, I think they, uh, so under that, yeah. Psilocybin mushrooms, San Pedro, um, which is like the cactus plant. Um, so like peyote would be in that family. Um, I think M I don't know if they're putting MDMA and ketamine, which are these man-made, but still there's lots of research around the helpfulness around those medicines. Um, but anything that like has that spirit that comes up through you and changes your consciousness, changes your perception. Okay. That's where you're getting into those different kind of realms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate you calling out that one, you still have to do the work when you take those. And it or experience so. them Almost. and that <laughs> recognizing too, that it's not just like, oh, keep doing more and more and more and more is better. Um, it's interesting. I think, you know, Michael Pollan writing his book around plant medicine, I think has brought this into mainstream a lot more. Obviously there's a lot of research being done around it for mental health and, um, and addiction 
and obviously Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow talking a lot about it, right? Like it's very much in our culture these days. What are some of the common thoughts that go through people's heads? Do you think that are like, oh, they might be curious or ready to experience plant medicine? Um, I think when the plant medicine, when it comes up in your consciousness, pay attention. And not everybody's out there thinking, oh, I want to try this. I want to do this. If you find that you're starting to Google it a lot or you're emailing me, which definitely happened after the goop and definitely happened after Netflix, family, friends, people just curious, reaching out. And I think always reach out. It's not like you have to go tomorrow and, you know, take these substances and and to be smacked in the face with your deepest traumas and, you know, experiences, but get curious because on that road to curiosity, the medicines that maybe you're meant to do come up, or maybe you are, maybe a experience like that will be super beneficial to your growth. It's important to repeat. It is not a magic pill. In in these spaces, what happens, um, the spirits allow you to face your trauma and face very deep uh, themes in your life with way more ease. So like talk therapy, some of these things are so embedded in our body and so painful to bring up that we do need to take these steps to kind of get down there and approach the the layers of things. And that's why talk therapy can take a while, but is effective because you are hitting those layers. There's just ways we can do it. This is like, I'm here at your deepest moment. But instead of like falling apart, which is what it feels like when you don't have the medicine, it's sometimes you can't physically even go there. Um, You can sit with it. Now in that space, even when you're with a substance, you can absolutely bail on that. Like you still have power, but it just makes it easier to sit with. And you know, you flew all the way to Ecuador, so why not? (laughs) And so you face these things. A lot of times the trauma looks like uh, a scary monster right? Like there's the scariest monster you've ever seen coming your way. And the shamans advise, okay, this thing is here. It's trying to scare you and get you to fly away, get you to stuff it down. That's what we normally do. That's our beautiful defense mechanism that helps us exist on earth with trauma is we can stuff it down. We can deny it and look the other way here in this space. If you engage with these monsters, your trauma, pretty much every time and hundreds of people have said this, Sometimes it'll be like you touch it and it's like a sheet in the wind, nothing behind it, or it disappears, or you laugh at it and it laughs with you, or you dance with it, engage with it in some type of way in your power, and it, it shifts and it morphs, which gives us this beautiful idea that is a thing, it's like facing your traumas can diminish the hold that it has on you, can begin to start the work that you need to work through them. Now you come out of that experience and the trauma is still there right but you have a very different relationship with it and you have done the deep part of the work to be able to touch it and hold it a little bit better and I think that's a beautiful thing is it's the beginning it is the very beginning of that work right and why I and I I know that I went to those depths because I wanted to work with people in these states um and I needed to do that work for myself Um, but again, have had those same trauma facing moments and abilities in deep meditation and breath work. Um, I think, you know, one of the most beautiful things I gained from being in a plant medicine setting is seeing the indigenous practices and ceremony. Oh, these ceremonies are beautiful. And again, there's, you could do a sweat lodge and have these experiences 
with indigenous people. I think that is a huge gift. And honestly, I know that the drumming and the singing and the ceremony were just as healing to my DNA and my body as ayahuasca taking me on a journey into my deepest, darkest fears. Like it's all wrapped into one. Yeah. Again, I have so many questions. Okay. So I appreciate you, you sharing that. And it's like, one question is, you know, if somebody's interested in exploring it, how do they go about it safely? What are the ways? And I'll ask you my another question. I don't want to double yes. stack you. I do have some resources on my website, semiwoo.com of retreats that I've sat with those shamans. I know they're lineated. They are here to serve that medicine, but they are open to working with non-Indigenous or, or folks that, you know, ayahuasca is not their indigenous or ancestral medicine. Um, they're open to it because they're doing it in this way that's beautiful. So um, if you're interested in San Pedro or ayahuasca or something that's not found in like the US, I say go to the country and do it with people that were born to do this. It's spend your money that way, sit on that soil, drink the water from there, all of that's for the healing. If uh, psilocybin, which is now this uh, a, such a gentle, uh, on a scale of like plant medicines, I would say psilocybin is one of the most gentle. It's a shorter time, right? You're in an ayahuasca ceremony for 16 hours. You can be in a psilocybin ceremony for four to six hours, and you can do it in the comfort of the U.S. where, you know, mushrooms are from all over the world. So we all get to share in this ancestral healing medicine. Um, and at that point, I do have some uh, recommendations, but it's still an underground situation, right? To be vetted. And there's people doing this work, but it's not at present moment safe to, uh, share it. And I know legalization's coming, but that's a whole other can of worms. And I think even with it being legalized, it doesn't necessarily mean that the folks serving it are safe. Right. I, it is yeah. legal in like, California or San Francisco, right? Isn't it le it, with like a medical with a prescription or something? I don't. I don't know if that's fact. So don't nobody quote me on that. And Oregon does, but that worry is not the right word because I don't worry about much. But there is a sense that the folks trying to legalize it, and you hear that first, you're like, cool, you know, we can all do mushrooms. But um, they're putting it so it's in a setting where you have to have a practitioner with a certain type of uh, certificate and training. And so this is going to separate the people's medicine. I can go in my backyard right now and find some psilocybin. Most people in the Pacific Northwest or around cows could. Um, kind of taking it out of that setting that's for the people and putting it into academia, legislating it. And anytime I see that with a plant medicine, which you can't contain, um, I do, I get a little bit crotchety. <laughs> yeah. Crotchety old man of me does. Well, this brings me to my second question, which I know you're passionate about, but you, you keep referring to this like ancestral energy that these plant medicines have. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Oof. It's funny when it comes to with stuff in ancestry, that wisdom like comes up here and you try to read about ancestral medicine and it's actually hard to grasp it. You know what I mean? Cause I think it is very somatic body wisdom, but when in the plant medicine space, the ancestral, the wisdom that comes up, right? So you are given a treasure trove of wisdom and that's ancestral wisdom. It's coming from 
human animal number one up through and they're themes that carry through in all of our ancestries again the big things are you are enough your connection with the planet is uh absolutely there and you are the planet uh be silly and laugh and like life is meant to be enjoyed you know like these big things but um you also face like personal ancestral themes like I did is wounds and the women and men in my family things I carry that my mom carried passed on things right and I am at the leading edge of the healing in my family because I'm doing this work and so I have signed up to sit with a lot of the ancestral traumas and the ancestral joys I have learned about ways that we are awesome and ways that you know we came up you know not just the pain it's not just the trauma you also get to experience the joy which is cool and necessary or else no one would do it <laughs> yeah um i appreciate you highlighting that there's there can be joy in that aspect too and i just to circle back to also what you shared earlier about how blissful it was for you to laugh and that permission mm -hmm. to laugh when you shared that my heart really expanded because i'm like heather you have like one of the best laughs i've ever heard so like <laughs> to know that that was kind of kept quiet growing up and yeah. then for you to be reclaiming that is is beautiful so thank you for thank you yeah smiling and laughing because it, it passed it's on. contagious yay that's how people find me in crowds they're like i found heather because she was laughing in a crowd <laughs> <laughs> so i'll take it and that is shaking off this uh rigid upbringing i had and it was for a reason my parents were trying to we're in survival mode from their childhood, right? That ancestral thing coming through. But I was blessed to not have to be in survival mode. And so reclaiming that joy for my mom, for my grandma, for generations of people that did not get to share this joy is like, cool. Well, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm well, like and... <laughs> And for people who are listening who are like, okay, this is woo-woo, guys. Like we were going off a little bit of deep end. You know, it's not. There's science behind it, epigenetics, yes. right? Thank and you. and I, you know, have done some work with Dr. Peter Levine, who has done a lot of his work in his life around ancestral trauma and healing and and how it does get passed down. And I actually did this really powerful exercise uh, with him in a workshop a few years ago where if I'm remembering it correctly, it was, we were being cued to like bring to mind and and he uses a lot of somatic experiences in his workshop. And so it's bringing to mind a relative and like drawing the relative, not from a place of like, I'm sketching their face and this is what they look like, but from like a essence. Mm. And, and we were kind of cued to be drawing our connection with them. And it was very challenging, right? Because yeah. I could feel my analytical, logical brain being like, WTF are you doing? <laughs> and But I wanted to step into that because I come from Jewish ancestral roots and there's a lot of sure. generational trauma in my lineage as, as well. And I can feel it. And I have actually said to myself how you know, I don't think healing is ever there. Like we're never done in my right. opinion. I'd, right. I'd love to be wrong about that, but um, <laughs> I, there's, there's um, so many layers to it. And I have said to myself, like, I feel like it's my duty that before I become a mother, if I'm able 
to get pregnant that like it is my right to do as much healing as possible because that does get passed down through me into the womb and yeah yeah, it's just no that's so true and i'm i've decided not to be a mother long ago but it will still be passed down it does not take a physical human coming from your body to pass down or to heal trauma it's and this is something that you see in these plant medicine spaces where it gets real trippy is this connection to your ancestry this feeling of joy it goes forward seven generations and this is from the indigenous wisdom it spans back seven generations the healing that we do in our body in our space feeds my mother feeds you know kids far far into my ancestry ahead of time And not only that, it's radiating out in real time. It is so huge. The healing, you might just think like, all right, I'm learning how to like not freak out when my guests come over from fear of judgment. That is huge. Like that was, that's actually a real thing for me. My mother, I watched my mother cry and clean the house till, you know, her fingers were red when we'd have guests over. Um, It was a huge trauma for her. I saw myself do that when we were having friends over the other day. This, it boils down to this over oppressing fear of judgment, right? And for me to heal that now as people come over and to relax and to trust my friends to hold space for me in whatever state my place is in, I know that my mom is easing, easing the load and that years generations down the road they're not going to feel that way either it's not nothing to be the person in your space doing the work and everybody has benefited truly Mm -hmm. (laughs) i appreciate you highlighting even just like no noticing those isms that your parents have of like whatever cleaning the house before guests come and then when you see yourself doing that you're like yeah oh where did i pick that up you know yeah (laughs) so it can be those little things it can be right our tonality with things it can be um yeah so how much we are socialized by others and it's passed down through this our genetic experience yeah for people who like one of the things you and I were talking about and that I, I think would love to bring into this conversation is around spirituality. You know, yeah. I think our generation, I think people right now have stepped away from more organized religion sure. and are more so calling themselves spiritual. And I think at least in my circles that I hear is that a lot of people are connecting more to mother nature and they're connecting more to like plant-based medicines as their spiritual, I don't want to say like spiritual temple or, you know, it's a spiritual sense of connection. Um, So I'm curious, like your thoughts on that is growing up in a Christian Christian. home, you know, and going to Christian college and like where, (laughs) where that deviation has found you and and how you navigate that. Mm. This is a big one because I, yes, I was raised in a very Christian home the three times a week in the choir, in the youth group involved, you know, very involved. Um, and within the greater black community, this is embedded. (laughs) There's very little separation right so um, my my sister was the first to use the a word she she described herself as an atheist at the time and when i came out i would have described that too for me at the time it was this reaction it was all or nothing 
that's how embedded it was. It was like, either I'm a Christian or I'm not. Like there is, I tried to do the little Eastern religion thing for a second. I didn't find truth in that for me either. So it was nothing. We are dirt when we die and none of this has any meaning, right? It was comforting, I think, to live in this black and white space. What's, I'm trying to think of these moments where it, popped up but it honestly like when you listen to certain songs that you love and you, a feeling comes up and you cry when you see another human have a tough moment and you are there experiencing that with them when you see you know some joy in the world and you connect like this and I'm even getting waves of these feelings this cannot be denied right there is some energy some situation where I feel so connected to a tree and to humans that I don't even freaking know. <laughs> like, so the connection part cannot be denied. And that's that somatic ancestral wisdom. I, I can't describe it because my body's doing it up. It's not a brain thing. I don't have to get there with my brain. So that part I could never put away. And I remember hearing like church songs and being like, oh crap want to like cry and you know connect but like these lyrics aren't right for me these creepy ass lyrics um it's funny mar marijuana a spirit plant medicine and one that's tough that's tough for us to hold right we have a lot of conditioning around marijuana but in college we would like smoke weed sit in a circle our intention was to explore to explore our religion this is when we were like towing the line and marijuana like other entheogens has the ability to open things up to approach themes that are very difficult. In this case, the theme was Jesus might not be the only God in the world, right? Which for us was law. And so we were able to touch that and just pull away to let the feelings of when, you know, we were in Jesus's presence still be there, but Jesus wasn't here. The Bible wasn't here. All the hypocrisy that we saw at our school wasn't there. All we were left with was this feeling of joy, wholeness and connection okay, without the Bible, then what is this thing? I think that's the spirituality that people are there. Of course, we want to be connected. Of course, the disconnection we're experiencing now is completely freaky and scary and isolating. And so we are trying to move towards something, but present day Christianity has grown very toxic. It's been co-opted. I think a lot of the uh, religion and conditioning that a lot of us grew up with, whether you're Jewish or, you know, Islamic or anything, we don't, like the constraints and the rules and the things that don't match where we're at. So we have to use this label of spirituality. But I, one thing I noticed as a Christian talking to all the pastors is I'm clinging, clinging, trying to stay Christian, asking every wise person in my Christian community, every single person had a different idea of what their religion was. And that's spirituality. You are your center of knowing and connection and I think when I was asking them all, what is God? You explain it for yourself because, and this is woo-woo and out there and maybe not everyone's ready, but you are God. <laughs> totally. When my mom would say to me, um, so my mom passed away over, God, what year are we? Over about 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. And she had been battling cancer, leukemia for about 10 years before she passed. And I remember, you know, so she was diagnosed when I was about like nine or 10. And so somewhere in the 10, 12, 13 age range, I remember having conversation like, 
you know, mom, what happens when you die? And she says, when I die, I'll be inside you. Like, I'll always be inside you. And that's huge. I was kind of like, okay, mom, you know, right. <laughs> like what a, great, like, sure. That's what you say. It's just like comfort me, you know, but right. as I've gotten older and also as like, I have yearned for her spiritual guidance and connection. I have found her within me and also like in the sun, in nature, like, so that opened my eyes to my spirituality was, Mm -hmm. was death, was losing somebody I so deeply cared about and looking for ways to feel connected to them. I mean, that is huge. Death is going to teach you so much about connection. It's not even funny. My mother too. And I I just remembered we had this in common. My mother passed away when I was 18, now 20 years ago, which is crazy to me. Um, And I've never felt closer to my mother. I have never felt closer to my mother. The ability, if you're what, if you're looking on the spiritual path, connection is going to be the biggest reward. Connection to nature, connection to your ancestry, connection to yourself. Holy. And they are, they are there. I, this, I can't explain either that when people die, they are still in this connection web with us. They do not go away. And that is a massive comfort. And maybe ultimately a major region reason why I did was drawn towards this path you know, trying to reclaim that connection with my mother, which I didn't have when she was alive. She was struggling with too much trauma and depression to make the connection while she was living in her human body. She was just surviving and she's free of that now. So yeah, I feel that freedom (laughs) for sure. Thank you for sharing, for sharing that. And, you know, my hope is that people, because I think we're all looking for something bigger than us to get us out of our fucking, pull our head out of our asses. You know, when we are so concerned with the, with ourselves and the striving and the career growth and the, Mm -hmm. the attaining and the bigger house Mm -hmm. and the car Mm -hmm. and the partner. And, you know, when we get on that track, which is so hard not to be on that track in our American culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That we, I think are all looking for something outside of ourselves to rest in, to find some sense of connection and Mm -hmm. ease and Mm -hmm. guidance. Mm, Guidance. Oh, like those are the words. Rest, connection, ease, and guidance. All of this can be found in within, in these spaces right on the outside of our skin, like right here. But the connection, the intention, that has to be there. You know, you can want these things all day, but you do have to sit with yourself, face yourself, and ultimately say yes to loving yourself just as you are, just as you are in that moment. That was hard for a while. But again, what's so cool is with a little practice, like we can all get there. Free practice too. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> Well, it's interesting. I've said this before on the podcast because I think it's just a continual thing that comes up for people is like people get scared to sit with themselves. Hell yeah. Yes. Because we um, have heard some really terrible stories about ourselves and created really terrible stories about ourselves. 
the things I thought about is I'm like sad. I, I, at the time I was really sad for myself having to live in the cage that I both created and was co-created with me by all societal norms and, you know, what I saw on TV and all those, those things, man, bummer. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) totally. I I just had a coaching session with a client this morning around, you know, she she had this realization of like how much she has been judging herself and how, and how um, she's just kind of stayed in that place. And Mm -hmm. when we really slowed it down to recognize like, what are the thoughts and let's, let's explore the thoughts from a curious space. She was able to recognize, oh, wow. Like, okay, these are not helpful and like how can I start to rewire that and practice that rewire and it was a huge she was like I've never thought about this before but how like I think that's even just it's powerful to recognize that we might have a hard relationship with ourselves and that's maybe maybe I'm sharing like this is coming to me as I'm talking to you like maybe that's just where we start right is that acceptance yes 100 percent and not maybe not even acceptance just the recognizing of the voice inside that's telling us all the opposite of that which we know that we're not enough that there are things that we do that make us unlovable that ain't true um and finding those voices i don't even think you i think if you come to the realization that you have these narratives within that are not aligned with your true self and that aren't helpful to your way forward uh they'll dissolve like just knowing those is massive and being able to sit with those is you're a titan of a human being. I really do believe that because these things hurt and we have carried them around for so long. And I know I was raised, like if I wasn't being negative about myself, I'm not going to be productive. Maybe I don't, maybe I'm being too easy on myself or letting myself get away with something by loving myself. And what you said about uh, rewiring, I think when we say do the work, do the work, you know, that's, that's what the work is, right? It's like, okay, yes, this idea comes up. I should be judged in this moment. No, you're enough. You're just a human doing your best. Repatterning. What the plant medicine does is like, you know, the, the pad, I always see it like a marble in a groove. And over years, if you've told yourself that you should be judged for something, it creates a deep groove and you want to get the marble out of the groove. But honey, that is like insane work. It takes years to fill in the groove. Well, plant medicine can pave over the grooves and help you get a really nice start at getting the marble to move a different way. But just like you said, when you come down the mountain, when you leave the retreat, yeah, a few days are beautiful, but the grooves, they remain unless you really make that commitment to start loving yourself more, treating yourself better and believing the stories that, uh, believing the stories that just make your journey more, more full of ease you're allowed to, we're allowed to, there's this idea that we're not allowed to have an easy, joyful life. Our parents live that way. That ain't true. Trap. It's a trap. I've, I've just recently been sitting with like, wait, just like, and we talked about this before hitting recording, like, keep it simple. Like, keep it simple. (laughs) (laughs) And how just complicated it can get. But Heather, uh, we could keep talking about this. Um, We'll have to have you back on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and your insights with us. Where can people learn more about you and stay connected? 
Yeah, hit me up. Uh, I have a website, semiwoo.com, S-E-M-I-W-O-O.com. That's, I chose that name because we're both these perfect, amazing spiritual beings, but we also poop and wash dishes. <laughs> we're trying to balance that in my life's work. Um, and uh, on the Instagram, Facebook, semiwoo, I'm there and would love to connect with anyone. Also, if someone heard this and is looking for a reputable and safe um, and connected place to work with plant medicine, breath work, any of the things we mentioned, I like triage, hit me up and I can connect with the right people for sure. Cause there are people out there doing incredible work. So yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Heather. Yes. Thank you, Wade. So, so lovely to reconnect with you. <laughs> Oh, what a joy and delight this conversation was. I welcome you to pause in this moment and check in and just notice like what's landing and resonating for you. Did something awaken in your heart? Is there a curiosity around your own spirituality and what that looks like and feels like for you? Do you notice there's a kind of a opening around plant medicine is there something that you're wanting to explore deeper? Take a moment and just pause and reflect. And I welcome you to think of one friend in your life that you'd like to share this podcast episode with, somebody who you'd like to open up this conversation around spirituality, ancestral healing, plant medicine with, and share these resources with them. Continue the conversation with this friend and allow each other to feel seen and heard with whatever you are exploring. I also know Heather and I would love to stay connected to you. So join us on Instagram. Feel free to direct message us or share your comments. Thanks for being here as always. And until next time, stay centered. <laughs>